Look out, something is going to get you tonight. Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight. Welcome to the Happy Harvest Horror Show. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Brian. And this is the Happy Harvest Horror Show, where we get together and talk about our favorite spooky, scary, haunted stuff. And we've got a whole curio, curio cabinet of curio. What's the word? We got a, we got a <laughs> cabinet of curiosities. Is that yeah, what you go for? There we are. We got a whole cabinet for you today full of haunted little objects. But first, I want to ask you, Corey, how spooky has your week been? Uh, decently spooky. I guess like the one thing I've been watching, I don't know why I just skipped ahead to season two. I haven't even watched uh, season one yet, but I've been watching season two of Channel Zero. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's, it's a fun show. Yeah. Um. So this season is was the Nowhere House or is that the name of it? Right. I For- think so. And yeah, I'm like maybe four episodes in. And yeah, it's good. You know, it's it's got uh, alternate dimensions. It's got some some cannibalism. It's playing with memory, which you know is always fun. That's what you want out of a show. It is what you want out of a show. I'm enjoying it. No From end house. I, yeah, that's yeah, what it is. No end house. Yeah. From what I understand, they're all based on like creepy pastas. Mm-hmm. Is that which is fun? Is that real? Um, um, th- th- that's what I heard. If there's something more to it. Um, I'd be curious to know because I've only actually seen the season one with the, okay. with, the with the Teeth Man and the the children show. Is it good? Um, are you just no. started with season two? I no, they're all it's two. like anthology, so it's all you're okay starting with. You know, I guess. No, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, the go first, back. Yeah, the first one's like about like this old children's program as a kid that he remembered and it made him do things or stuff. And there was like a there's a guy made just only out of human teeth. Oh, um, yes. So like it makes yes. sense that it would be a creepypasta. But both of those things feel like creepypasta stories. Yeah. I love but, a, a being made of teeth. Oh, me too. And it was also like one of the first things I always got to bring it back to Shutter. It's one of the first things that like came to Shutter and they used it for their ads on the subway station like in the trains. So I remember it was a memorable ad seeing this teeth man. (laughs) Check out our streaming service. You know, like I always say, you you can't forget a teeth man. Can't forget a teeth man. Teeth man approved. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So there's that. And then actually I have um, a paranormal story that um, was the inspiration for today's episode. Oh yeah, is it the music box? Yes. If you're if you're part of the book club, you already know. See, book club book club gets a uh, special access to paranormal occurrences and and anecdotes within our mm-hmm. lives. Um, <laughs> but if you're in book club, you already heard this story. But it ended up yeah inspiring this episode. So I figure I should just tell it. My roommate has a little music box. <laughs> a <So> very <laughs> a very old just stereotypically like creepy music box but as an object it's it's super cool like it's a it's just a very cool little box um and she got it at yeah like a like a yard sale or a flea market or something a while ago she's had it for a long time and um the other night she was in her bedroom just sitting on her bed you know like far away from it it was across the room 
And she said she hasn't like picked this thing up in forever, like months, a year, even like it's Mm -hmm. not something she uses, like it just kind of sits there. Mm -hmm. And she's sitting in her bedroom and it just just starts playing slow, discordant music. Absolutely not. (laughs) And um, yeah, and so she freaks out immediately and like runs into her boyfriend's room and is like freaking out and and then he and then she's like I'm gonna throw it away I'll throw it away but then he like convinced her to keep it and she was like you are being you're being that boyfriend in the in the movie right now that is good <laughs> that is like going to cause the haunting um no let's keep it and, yeah. and to on, be fair I'm like kind of on his side because it's it's an objectively cool object. Like it's a very cool little old music box and it plays weird, creepy music. Like it's just cool. And yeah. So- it's always cool. It's always cool <laughs> at first, you know? And yeah. And then she was like running around the house with like Palo Santo, like, <laughs> like cleansing the place. So yeah, we've been in this weird place in the house of like, like, it's funny because like, her boyfriend my roommate wants to keep it and he doesn't believe in ghosts and then like Jen kind of believes in that stuff and it's just more like I don't want it anywhere near me like don't fuck with me right and then I believe in it but I also want to keep it so it's like we're all like at different places in uh determining what to do with this box but I sent you uh, a video of it mm-hmm. of the box playing the music and you responded something along on, along the lines of why is it not on fire yet? <laughs> it's true. I don't know why it's not burning and buried in the backyard. Like, <laughs> See, I almost feel like burying it in the backyard. That would almost like give it more power. You know, like I feel like burying things always like give maybe like it, it always they, they come they always come back when you bury sure. things. You're definitely passing back. the buck down the line. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, that aside, I don't mind for you. You know what I mean? Like put it under a cairn, get some rocks on it. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, that be someone else's problem years from now down the line. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine like after a big rainstorm, like just a creepy music box, like being unearthed in your backyard. Yes, yes, <laughs> I can. There's many a movie that have shown me <laughs> what to expect. And so, oh, that'd be great. So, yeah, that that was my exciting moment in the past week, and it led to us deciding, hey, let's just um, let's just really dive into the world of haunted objects. Hell yeah which is a huge topic. And we have a lot, I think, of interesting directions to go with it. I'm very excited about this conversation. But Me yeah, too. so, so that's, that's where we're going today. But first, Brian, how spooky was your week? It's okay. It's pretty all right. It was, I've had spookier weeks. But uh, I mean, one thing I want to plug is we did get, we got a gift in the mail. We just got a copy of Dracula of Transylvania. Uh, it is a modern retelling of an ancient classic by Ricardo Delgado, and he sent us copies. Beautiful book. Yeah, this is a gorgeous. Big hardcover tome of a of a story, and I'm excited to dive in. So I just wanted to plug that and say, if you got a, if you're on our, you know, Instagram too, I put it in the stories um, of just like this beautiful book. You can check it out. Um, highly, you know, I haven't read it yet, but I'm very grateful that we got copies, and I'm excited to dive into it. So check that out. And uh, I mean, get also on the on the theme of spooky objects. I just got also Stephen Graham Jones's book, um, Night of the Mannequins. 
Ooh, I love a mannequin. Mm-hmm. It's about haunted mannequins, you know? Love uh, that shit. I actually, I saw a creepy mannequin too this week. We <laughs> we went um to just some of the the little Delta towns outside Sacramento. They're just mm-hmm. very old towns and very small and have a lot of little thrift shops and stuff. Just cool little places. A lot of dive bars, a lot of little, you know, just fun little like thrift shops and things like that. And uh, there's a mannequin. It was a headless mannequin, but it was wearing a hat like on mm-hmm. on the neck. And um, I just I, t- I took a picture wearing of a hat on the neck. Yeah, I was like, that's a work of art right there. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that is inspired. Exactly, exactly. But then there is also um, one little shop that is uh, run by an artist and he sells a lot of his works in the shop. Mm-hmm. And he does a lot of really weird stuff. And some of it involves like taxidermy, which is fun. We and love that. Yeah, we love that. We've been talking about doing a taxidermy episode for forever. Time. Yeah. And I, at the most recent oddities flea market, I picked up a, uh, I guess a flyer for taxidermy lessons. Oh. Can, and I'm thinking about it, you know, <laughs> you're going to stuff some squirrels. <laughs> uh, mice is My- what we would be working with. Yes. <laughs> oh, great. Love it. <laughs> so, you know, thinking about it um i love that for you (laughs) i guess the only other thing is we i saw scream again i think you also saw. yes i did also see scream again that was Uh, it was great it was great another wonderful time out the 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 things leading up in the way you know you you Mm. know who the killer is at the end and so um yeah you you know just like just like any any movie you uh you catch a lot of things the second mm -hmm. time through yeah it was super fun you can never like recreate that feeling of the first time of seeing something really good though you ain't know that, ain't that the truth ain't that the truth and it's that's yeah just the way. that's just the way that's just but i did way. have a, a spooky encounter during it because i was <gasps> went back it was during the, the day in the middle of the week me and my friend were the only ones in the theater um did you get great. stabbed through the back of the seat i, I didn't <laughs> but <laughs> We're at a, you know, Alamo draft house and they have waiters that come and you know, bring you food and drinks throughout the movie. Um, and at the beginning, he's, we were sitting in the back row and they're like, hey, man, this is kind of spooky. The only one's in here. Someone could just sneak right up on you throughout the movie. And we're like, oh, yeah, you stab. Yeah, I scream. <laughs> yeah, I scream. I scream. scream. <laughs> and it was halfway through the movie during a tense scene where he came up behind me, put his hand on my shoulder and was like, hey, do you need any help? Do you need anything? And I like jumped out of my seat. Like I've never been more scared the immersion uh was yeah. was there so definitely it fun it's always fun getting getting a good spook mm-hmm. which i think you know going back to our scream episode also speaks to the brilliance of the franchise because they created a sensation that now makes anyone who is a scream fan terrified mm-hmm. of being in a movie theater That's which correct. is like so fucking smart you know like <laughs> yeah like literally like when i meta, went dude yeah it's meta dude like when i went the um to see it the first time i i remember feeling like a little like oh i feel like kind of scared and then i was getting my my snacks mm-hmm. and the guy who was helping me was like don't get killed by ghost face in my theater and i was like i'm gonna try not to <laughs> what a thing <laughs> deadpan like matter yeah. of fact <laughs> yeah and it's just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I that you know, I hope, but also, what a way to go! Um, what a way to go. You know, 
I felt that, I mean, we're, we'll get into our topic in, in a moment, but I did feel that going to Candyman months ago last year in like that movie, the first movie, mm, scared the bejesus out of me. It still <laughs> does. This is a fucking terrifying movie. And I remember sitting down for that movie going, am I okay? I'm actually like scared to see this movie. Um, I, it was good. I haven't seen the yeah. original since I was quite young. Like, it holds up. Very, very young. I need to very watch that again. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember it being quite upsetting for sure. Yeah, it's like a spooky week. A lot of real world spooks. I love that. Real world spooky. Let's take a moment to thank our beautiful coven for all they do and supporting us. We got 21 supporters. Did you know? 21. mm -hmm, Jenny, Julia, uh, Alessia, Nina, Ellen. Karen, Kelsey, Connor, Dominique, Jody, Wendy, Morgan, Sarah, Erica, Michelle, Mackie, Sarah, Ariella, Aaron, and Holly. So thank you all. Thank you all so much. Thanks, guys. You guys are you guys are the real deal. Um, Pretty neat. And if you'd like to join this coven of supporters and be a part of our book club, because joining at any level and supporting at any level gets you access to our super rad book club. You can go to anchor.fm slash HHHS slash support pledging at any level gets you access. You can send us an email saying, get me in that book club and you can join us this month. We're reading tide pool, which should be really fun. It's all full cord, Lovecraftian period piece. Spooky. Just a spooky coastal town, a weird mystery in a, in a coastal town. Love it. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. And we're all excited to read it. So there's still time to join in on that if you'd like to join. Uh, but otherwise, thank you all. We're in February now and we're still keeping spooky season strong. Thanks to you all. So Godspeed, bangerang, Rufio, Rufio, Rufio. Godspeed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you, everyone. We love you. We appreciate you. And with that, we will take a quick break for a message from our sponsors and come back and we're just gonna we're gonna dive we're gonna dive deep we're gonna tell some stories of some famous haunted objects talk about the differences between haunted between curses between possession Mm -hmm. uh talk movies talk object agency and archaeology very excited to get into that so Mm -hmm. this this should be a fun one and uh we'll see you in a second when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. It is us. It is us. And due to a run in with a music box this week, we are talking haunted objects. It's going to get spooky in here. Where do we start? Let's start with some, well, I guess some clarifications on the terminology. Because if you look up a haunted object, you're going to be greeted first. With a lot of gatekeeping dictionary wielding <laughs> dorks, you know, being like, 
<laughs> well, is it cursed? Is it haunted or is it possessed? And there are three different ways. And if you look up furthermore, what's the difference between haunted and possessed? Sometimes you'll get Google Cora question and answer where they're just like, ghosts don't exist. <laughs> um, so the question is dumb. And then you wonder, like, is this research going anywhere? Is this yeah. what it's like? But it's also like, why is that response worth your time at right? this juncture? <laughs> there were multiple of those, too. One was just like, nothing happens after you die. You get buried. That's it. And I'm like, Jesus, dude, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. Love with it when like, people claim to have objective knowledge of what happens when we die. Everyone believe that guy. That guy knows. <laughs> Steve 429. <laughs> uh, anyway, but there is a clarification. It's fun. It's fun getting into, into the uh, categorizing these different objects. So where should we start? We should start with cursed. What's a cursed object? Or what does cursed even mean? If you look up just the definition of the word cursed, it can mean a few different things, but it essentially means to invoke or use a curse against, and it is often meant in like a negative way, like a curse is a bad thing. So it's like mm-hmm. invoking something evil, you, like using something against someone. So it's definitely malicious, like mm-hmm. cursed is meant to be like bad, you know, it's meant to be like a negative thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and if an object is cursed, that means that, um, most likely a curse has been placed on it by someone. Um, so someone took an object and, and said some magic words and decided that this object was going to like do harm, um, based on that curse and curses can also, you know, curses can also have, very deep histories like the curse gets passed down but it you know it had a genesis somewhere where someone like a witch or something always a witch it's always a witch placed this curse on this object and now anyone who inherits it is probably gonna have some bad luck yeah in addition to it's it's from what my research had haunted it cursed and possessed objects it seems like if there is a a coincidence or like a proximity to a bad event that the curse can be placed on the object basically by people are like, like uh, I found this locket and then I died three days later. So people <laughs> in the area go like, wow. So the locket is cursed, you know, like exactly. It, yeah. I guess it's, it's, it, it, you're in the proximity of bad things. That's what, it, that's, <laughs> that's, what, what that's what that's about. <laughs> um, but there is no usual spirit. Whereas like haunting and possession, there is an entity that is either frequenting or completely taken over. Frequenting yes. being haunting, it is our ghost or some sort of entity, uh, likes to show up a lot, you know, just likes mm-hmm. to hang around. That's their favorite pub. Whereas possession, the spirit completely controls the object. And I've seen this a bit too. I don't know if you ran into this, but there is a, there is a disagreement that even objects can be possessed. Do they have agency? Can they? There's only is it, humans can be possessed. It's you know, it's a question for the ages, really. <laughs> it keeps me up at night. I tell know. You what. Who's to say? I mean, I would say the way I yeah differentiate haunted and possessed. If it's haunted, it's maybe being like played with by a ghost or a, or a spirit or whatever. It's maybe part of a greater haunting. But if mm-hmm. an object is possessed, it's fully 
fully in, uh, encapsulates the spirit of the thing, of the demon, mm-hmm. what have you, is possibly even trapped inside the object. Mm. Like Annabelle. Would Annabelle be possessed? I think so. I think I would de- define that as a possession. I would agree. Because, yeah. Or, well, I don't know. It depends on how frequent. It's like a permanent frequency. Is that it? That's, that's no longer freak. It's just you live there. <laughs> <which> means, <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> that's just where you live. Your being. I, I, would, I would definitely say Annabelle because, like, like, Annabelle the doll, like, represents a being and, like, can then enact the desired actions of the like demon spirit you know so it's like it really is this embodying while maybe like a haunted object say like this music box is just like Mm -hmm. one kind of silly little like oh here's some weird discordant music but like the music box isn't gonna kill you in your sleep you know what i mean (laughs) Yeah, I I mean we're gonna get in the weeds about this because there's a lot of objects that I'm really thinking about. Like, well, is that possession or is that just being you know tinkered with? Like, well, all of this is just us leaning into the human desire to define things. So. Like I said, I'm becoming that dictionary wielding dork from the beginning. You know, yeah. like this is how exactly. And I say that endearingly. I love all these dorks. I'm one of them. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Totally. So we have like a few different stories to share. There are, you know, there are endless, like hop on YouTube. You got plenty of uh, top 10 videos, like top 10 objects you should never touch ever in your life, ever, <laughs> you know, like, stuff like that. So there, there's a lot out there, a lot of stories. And yeah, you know, with literally all of these at the end of the day, they're all stories. Like that's what we have. We have stories. I, I think one of the one of the most well known currently and largely because of the conjuring universe would be the Annabelle doll. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um it makes every one of these top ten lists. And we talked, we talked quite a bit about this one in our Conjuring Universe episode. Correct. So um, I don't feel like we need to get into super detail with this one. Um, if, if you're unfamiliar, you can check that episode out. But I do think it is um, just a, a particularly, yeah, just interesting case of, of essentially this doll being like inhabited by a very... Uh, malicious spirit right and yeah and then ultimately enacting the type of things that like you don't even really think a ghost would be able to do you know it's like by inhabiting the doll and possessing Mm -hmm. the doll the tales the story of annabelle the doll is able to then enact real harm on people yeah i guess that's the question i mean in my my confusion of haunting and possessing objects the fact that the doll is a vessel, does that make it a possession versus if the doll was just like kind of the pole, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the room where the Annabelle doll is in, the spooky things happen in the room yeah. versus like spooky things only happen with the doll. That would be possession. Does that make sense? I'm like, I'm lost in that. Yes. I don't know. I also think it's interesting that this one to me seems more like a possession largely because a doll is a representative of a human being, right? A doll is a sure. little recreation of a of a person um, to some degree. 
And so, you know, we think of a lot of haunted objects, like we think about, yeah, you know, like weird pieces of furniture or maybe a painting or a music box or like, you know, but a doll is actually crafted after a a human being. And so the idea of it being possessed and being able to stand up and uh, wreak havoc on people, I think is why I ultimately go to possession with dolls. Dolls are possessed. Okay. All right. I mean, you're not alone. I mean, as far as film representation, Annabelle is not, is a most recent edition, but you know, you got, you got Chucky, you got the doll from Poltergeist, you got Mm -hmm. Annabelle, we got a bunch of And for those who don't know, while the, the tales in the conjuring universe uh, certainly took a great, great deal of artistic license. There are some true-to-life stories involving the original Annabelle doll um, where that story began, um, and then it kind of uh, blew up within the Conjuring universe into something uh, a lot more, a lot crazier. But that's all in our Conjuring episode. Yeah, so, so go listen to that. Go listen to that. Let's, we, we got more in this cabinet here, things you haven't seen yet. Yes, like, new um, things. New things. Like I see here on your list, King Tut. Yeah, um, so honestly, a big part of this topic that's very interesting to me um, and that I, I, I want to talk about quite a bit is I think there is so much to be said and explored when it comes to the intersection of archaeology and haunted objects. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I posted, this is literally my favorite uh, poorly drawn lines comic. I think I brought it up in our like haunted art episode, but it's so good. It's uh, poorly drawn lines. If you're unfamiliar, you, you should definitely check them out. Wonderful cartoonist. And there is this this comic where one of the characters is like on a phone is like, hey, dad, I dug up an old skull and I think it might be the devil. And then like next to him is this like weird animal skull and like then like a word bubble with like all kinds of like hieroglyphs. And then the next frame is the dad. And he's like, Kevin, what have I told you about archaeology? And then Kevin's like, it's a game of thieves and liars. And then the dad's like, and, and then, and then Kevin's like, and one day you'll dig up the devil. (laughs) And the dad's like, yes. (laughs) Um, And I love that because there is this connection between just the practice of archaeology and um, kind of hauntings and things, because the act of archaeology involves a lot of like disturbing graves and Mm -hmm. shit like that you know so like if you are a spiritual person or a person who is is even just like in any way open to ideas of hauntings and cursed objects like I I feel like anything an archaeologist digs up (laughs) could like be harboring some kind of weird spooky energy right so there is this inherent I think like scariness attached to archaeology at this point. And it, it does undeniably connect to a lot of the archaeological digs back in like the 1900s, which we've talked about is the spookiest century. Yep. Everything was spooky back then. But particularly, uh, we had, we had 
uh, the excavation of King Tut's tomb that began in 1923. And this is a really famous one. You know, we've all kind of learned about it in school a little bit. And in it, famously has all these spooky stories attached to it and um just a a very you know kind of abridged version like they started the excavation of king tut's tomb in 1923 and then a bunch of shitty things happened like the funder of the exploration his pet bird was eaten by a snake which was considered particularly ominous because a cobra is the symbol of the Egyptian monarchy. So, you know, you have like this like symbolic like (laughs) thing going on Um, at almost the exact same time. His dog back in the UK also died. In addition to this, a radiologist who x-rayed the mummy died of a mysterious illness and American died of pneumonia after visiting the tomb And a member of Carter's excavation team was said to have died of arsenic poison. So he's got them all. Yeah. So, I mean, like, really, it was just they, you know, they're excavating this tomb that like in a lot of ways they probably shouldn't have been. And a lot of bad things happen. And that's I mean, that's kind of the storyline you see attached to a lot of these, quote unquote, cursed objects. Right. Like it's like you mess with it and then all hell breaks loose. Um, and I think this is just an early example of that, like 1923. Yeah. So like 1800s into the early 1900s was when archeology span was kind of really becoming an activity that, you know, mostly wealthy academic white men were doing, you know, and that, and they were, yeah, disturbing a lot of graves. And so like, yeah, it makes sense that there was this idea that like, overarching idea that maybe we shouldn't be doing this like maybe we're messing with things we shouldn't be messing with and then that is going to evolve into spirits and curses and mm-hmm. all of this so the the tomb of king tut you know you can think of the entire tomb also you know there's lots of objects within the tomb you know the mummified body of king tut like all of these things kind of have this mysterious spooky aura now attached to them And yeah, I think this could be said about a lot of um, both ancient Egyptian archaeological discoveries, because that was another thing is, you know, Egyptomania in the early 1900s, we are very like attaching spooky stories to our, our exploration of ancient Egypt. Um, and just doing spooky stuff with them. I mean, like yeah. during that, e- yes. I mean, it was common for like, you know, high class, wealthy parties that they could acquire a mummy and then have like unwrapping parties, which, you know, I wonder where these spooky stories come from. Like it's just a deep guilt in our subconscious. You yeah, know? Maybe, there was like, like we really whole- need to be haunted by this, you know? Yeah, 100%. Because there was also like historically among the aristocratic class, a lot of consuming of like mummies and stuff. So like add cannibalism on there. Like, (laughs) like that was a real thing. Like people were doing at parties in like the Victorian era and like the early 1900s. So, so once you get the why you're like, (laughs) the haunting suddenly doesn't, isn't the worst part. It was, uh, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, whether it's actual spirits or a manifestation of guilt or a combination of both, who knows? Um, someone done goofed. And, yeah, and someone done goofed. Um, so yeah, there is this connection, archaeology and essentially digging up the devil. And um, But then I think it also, like when you bring it into a more contemporary lens, 
I think there's some other ways to look at it. I listened to this podcast. It was from 2016. Um, so not too long ago. And it's a podcast just about kind of modern day archaeology, like the study of archaeology and like where it stands and the guest on it. It was the episode was called Investigating the Paranormal Archaeology in Haunted Places. And the guest was this archaeologist, Dr. April Basaw. And um, she talks about a lot of things on the episode. But at the end of the episode, like the last 15 minutes, I really loved that she goes into how she thinks there is this um, really important connection between the study of archaeology and just things like ghost hunting, because at their core, they're both about understanding the past. And mm. yeah, and she talks about how she like got really into watching these ghost hunting shows and how every episode was kind of the same thing. Um, but like, you know, and that that these shows focus on the adventure element and they focus on the finding the ghost element, but what the, what changes from episode to episode is the history is like telling you about this place and telling you about its past and how it really is just a a way to examine history. And, um, and she also talks about how she takes her students ghost hunting for this very reason, because it's a way for them to kind of get to, dive into archaeology in a way that feels adventurous and fun and like they're excited to be like looking for ghosts and so um yeah there's this quote from the podcast where she says ghost hunting can be archaeology and archaeology can be ghost hunting and I love this approach um because I think it's just super important to thinking about archaeology as a academic discipline and And just recognizing that the reason, like, the reason humans love this shit, like, the reason we love archaeology and, like, we we want to dive deeper into history is because people love mysteries. Like, people love the mysterious. And it does a real disservice to to just do like uh, like your boy on the uh, Quora message board, you know, just be like, it's not real. It's not real. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I think doing that also, it like alienates people with interest in the paranormal, but it also puts like academic research into this really lame, like little box. And it's like, really all of this, what everyone's doing is just trying to explore the past, explore, yeah, objects, things that were created by people from the past and, and do so you know, in a way that kind of honors the more mysterious elements. And so I think, I think there are just a lot of really interesting questions when looking at any haunted object or haunted place, but any, any, any object with a story of a haunting attached to it is like, to some degree, just by looking at the object and thinking about these stories that are attached to it and the, um, everything surrounding it, like you're, you're doing you're examining history. Like you're doing archeology span at that point, you know, it's like um, you're examining the, the people that made it and the people that had experiences with it and what all that meant. And so, yeah, yeah. it's it's fun too. You're talking about connecting it to other pieces in history is, you know, it's a big web. It's not a linear thing that like, and bringing it back to Egypt and objects, there was, there's a, actual a mummy lid a mummy board you know the coffin lid that is then said to be haunted called the unlucky mummy and 
it was it belonged to a high status woman that lived around 950 to 900 BCE. It was discovered in Thebes in 1800s, and four and young Englishmen who first purchased the mummy all died. Unfortunate circumstances. We all have the tale as old as twine, you know? Yeah, of course they did. <laughs> What's interesting is that the um, the rumors of the curse spread in the early 20th century, like, oh, this killed all four people that found it. And there was a journalist, William Thomas Deed, that wrote an article. I'm reading this all from Google Arts and Culture, by the way. Credit where it's due. Um, and they wrote an article on the jinxed artifact. And went on to be one of the first, pa- one of the first and only passengers of the Titanic. And it's said that he told stories about this curse and the run up to the disaster. Uh, so many people think that the Titanic disaster was thanks to this unlucky mummy. So four people find a coffin lid <laughs> and suddenly we're connecting it to the Titanic sinking, you know, that like. But that's a way we're connecting history, that we're connecting this object that was in the 950 BCE that was just a coffin lid for a high status person. Thousands of years later, it will go on to sink the unsinkable, you know? Now we have one of the greatest romantic dramas of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, exactly. Like... Yeah, that's an amazing just historical through line when you think about it, you know, like, like these objects, in a way, they're, they're living, right? They have they have a lifespan and they have and they interact with the world. And, you know, whether whether you define that as paranormal or not, like there is a life happening there. Oh, yeah. Which is cool. It's interesting can also just be our inherent need to find meaning in all things right of course <laughs> we went on this we even had a, a early episode with us we did a haunted paintings episode you've done multiple of them with the art history babes we did one and and you know like a lot of those stories are like yeah it's just people reaching find any connection um unless you get to the omen that movie was definitely cursed uh, <laughs> absolutely except for this one <laughs> this one scenario <laughs> yeah totally totally um uh, let's see some other examples we have some fun ones. This Dr. Seuss book just learned about this one. The the haunted Dr. Seuss foot book. Have you heard this story? The foot book. No, let's hear it. Okay. So I've even got a picture of it up here. It's in pretty rough shape. It's but it looks pretty unassuming. It's just it, a foot book. <laughs> it's just a foot book by Dr. Seuss. You're familiar. And this this book is currently housed in West Virginia's National Museum of the Paranormal, which would love to hit up a National Museum of the Paranormal. That yep, sounds like sure. a great time. But as the tale goes, the book was bought at a yard sale. And whenever the young girl who owned the book would read the book, uh, her family could hear the distinctive sound of children whispering. No. And they also felt as though they were being watched oh my gosh classic is it just i I, like i was i was listening to that and i was like i don't know if it's just me but like i i always feel like i'm being watched is that the catholicism like that's the guilt you always carry you never like i just i don't know that i ever don't feel like i'm being watched to some degree you know like so i'm like sure um but uh but yeah, so they they had some spooky spooky things, spooky whispers, spooky feelings surrounding the book. And then 
who knows how this connection was made, but, you know, someone believed that the book had come from a house where a quadruple homicide took place. No. And that the stains on the cover of the book are believed to be blood stains. Did anyone test this? Because I'm looking at this book, right? And it looks just like, I guess they could be. So, so I'm glad you asked. Um, (laughs) Yes, someone did do a a pretty intense examination of this claim. And a man named Kenny Biddle did a deep dive. He has a whole blog where he essentially like scientifically examines paranormal stuff to the best of his abilities, you know, whatever his resources are, but he goes pretty deep. Like he clearly puts a lot of time into it and he did this one. Um, You can read, you know, all about his investigation, just Google him. But he discovered that the book actually belonged to a boy named Kyle. Mm -hmm. um, Because when you open the book, you know how kids books always have the this book belongs to? Yeah. It said who it belonged to. And it was it it was Kyle's book. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing detective work. (laughs) But he found Kyle, uh, who at the time of this investigation, Kyle was in his 20s at this point. And he found Kyle and asked him about it. And Kyle was like, yeah, that was my book. And Kyle actually lived next door to the house where this homicide took place. Oh. Yeah. So, um, and then they also did do uh, a test on the stains of the cover. It wasn't like absolutely conclusive, but like pretty sure that, that it wasn't bloodstains kind of conclusive, you know? I hate um, that it's, it wasn't absolutely conclusive. <laughs> well, like, well, it was situation, I really need you. <laughs> well, like I said, it's more just this guy doing kind of like, these are his independent investigations. Yeah, he doesn't totally. have like all you know the csi in there yeah he doesn't have like the all the all the tools at his disposal but he used a method involving kind of like basic kind of kitchen chemistry where you can determine if something was blood or not and it according to that it was not blood and yeah and so this is is an example of i think a tale we hear a lot with haunted objects in which this book is haunted by, I guess, like the energy of this horrific murder that it witnessed, right? Like four people, including a child, are horrifically murdered. And then now that the the horror of that is attached to an object, which I think is a story we see a lot with haunted totally, objects. Totally, totally. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, and then, yeah, you know, the investigation kind of shows that the book wasn't even in that house. And it's like someone along the lines kind of crafted the story a little bit. But it is interesting that the book came from next door. You know what I mean? It's not like the story was like crafted out of thin air. Yeah, it did. Like the the homicide did happen and it did happen nearby. And so it's like it's so interesting. I feel like it makes you makes you wonder how much do we know about kyle here you know that like <laughs> just throwing out wild accusations like, what's what's kyle got to hide and that's the story that, you know those mystery books you're like it was the kid with the book all along you know yeah, like exactly no you know you you make a valid point so yeah that was uh the foot book you can go see it in west virginia this next one's fun post malone in the dybbuk box <laughs> 
this week on the Twilight Zone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So a Dybbuk is in Jewish mythology, a Dybbuk is a malicious possessing spirit believed to be the dislocated soul of a dead person. So, Mm. um, so not something you really want to encounter. Mm-hmm. you want to cross paths with there is a vintage wine cabinet that is said to house the spirit of a dybbuk that is currently on show at you guessed it zach baggins haunted museum in las vegas God damn it <laughs> he's got one you guys um <laughs> okay so this dybbuk box was sold on ebay by a man named kevin manis who had acquired it from the estate of a woman who apparently survived a World War II concentration camp. And um, I guess her, I think it was her granddaughter, just was like, I do not want this. This is bad news bears. And so, yeah, so this man purchases it off of eBay after he purchased the box. Basically, you know, you guessed it, all hell breaks loose. And he would have these horrible nightmares of a woman attacking him. And then he'd wake up covered in bruises. Damn. Yeah. Um, and then, and then uh, very shortly after his mother suffered a stroke. So, you know, just bad things, bad things happened after he acquired it. And then he wanted to get rid of it, uh, which is how it ended up here at uh, Zach Baggins haunted museum. And it is on display. You can go see it, but I guess you have to like sign a waiver <laughs> to see it. Of course you do. <laughs> fucking course you do. <laughs> and Post Malone himself was supposedly cursed by the box. He took a private tour with Zach and Zach removed the glass surrounding the box, no. which you're not supposed to do. And I guess Post Malone kind of got like secondhand cursed, even though he's not the one who did it, but (laughs) he got like secondhand cursed. And after his visit, his private jet was forced to make an emergency landing. His house was broken into and he got into a car accident. So bad stuff. And keep the glass on. Yeah, you got to keep the glass on to keep the demon (laughs) at bay. From breaking into your house. Yeah. Uh, yep. From crash landing your plane. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so this is an example. I know Brian, you have a bit more to say about this, but this is one of many, many examples of like the genre of haunted object listed on eBay. Like this is like a, this, I have now dove into several stories of objects that have been acquired from ebay um on our original art history babes episode about haunted paintings one mm-hmm. of the most famous haunted paintings like it's like the first painting that pops up uh when you when you google haunted paintings it's called the hands will resist him and it was famously like sold on ebay and cursed via ebay and like had this really ominous like ebay listing and and yeah and i i feel like it's almost become this interesting not only this interesting market but also like an interesting performance how people oh, yeah. like list haunted objects on ebay mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean i'm listening i'm looking at a bunch of listings right now the, uh, this website um, has collected a bunch of them um, from eBay and it is, it is like a, it's like a sideshow sort of like mm-hmm. little spooky show. Like, uh, <laughs> and they're always, they always end, you know, they're listing with like 
I am not responsible for anything yes! that may or may not happen when in possession of this, you know, that like, this yes. is what happened and I'm getting rid of it. And then, you know, that's how you get the Amityville horror curse. You know, it's like a, a string of people going, right, I'm not touching this. And then the next person comes in like, oh, I bet it's spooky. And then they like leave again. Yeah. And it's basically like, it's, it's, it's like creating and kind of masterminding a little ghost story, a little interactive ghost story, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, I mean, and you can I, be a part of yeah, <laughs> a small price of whatever they're selling it at. Yeah. Exactly. And the more, and what happens is a lot of people want to be a part of it. And then for some of these objects, the price gets driven up quite high because it just becomes exciting and weird and scary. You know, it's all pretty spooky stuff. Um, it's all pretty spooky stuff. It is. I love this one. It's uh, it's another Dybbuk box. The last listing is buy at your own risk. And in all bold capped letters, do not open the box. I cannot stress this enough. I am not responsible for its misuse. Again, you know, disclaiming. Mm-hmm. Enter at your own risk. But yeah, it's fun. It's fun looking up all these objects. You can find them, you know, on Craigslist, on, on, on eBay. There's a whole reselling market of just like everyday objects. Then you say they're cursed. Boom. Yeah. There's value to it. <laughs> yup. Totally. I feel like it'd be fun to do an episode or even like a YouTube video where we just like we scan go a bunch of eBay for haunted objects. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, you, you obviously that's cool music box. You have an attachment to it. <laughs> you wouldn't sell it. But if you wanted to. There is a whole market of people that would li- read that story and go, I need that music box. I will buy that. Music I should box. bring that up to Jen if she still really wants to get rid of it. I should be like, we should at least sell the thing. Let's, just sell it. <laughs> Let's take some po- somebody's money and then give them a curse. <laughs> yeah. The American way. You know? Come on. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Oh man. Um, okay. So in the realm of just haunted objects, I think we would be remiss not to discuss, uh, to some extent the voodoo doll, um, voodoo dolls and puppets, puppet, the popular conception of the voodoo doll, um, is, is an effigy that is stuck with pins often to enact harm on a person. Um, however, this is a, actually a, just an example of a, a kind of harmful idea that took on a life of its own. This specific practice of sticking pins into a doll is not common in the religious practices of voodoo and the myth of this magical practice being closely linked to voodoo was promoted as part of wider negative depictions of Afro-Caribbean religious practices in the United States. So um, the idea of that being a voodoo doll and that being like the purpose of a voodoo doll was, has basically just been consistently promoted to, to make voodoo religious practices seem scary, right. Or to, or to make them out to like, like a lot of witchcraft practices, you know, um, cross-cultural witchcraft practices, like throughout history, you know, you gotta, you gotta make it seem very scary and bad. Um, and the reality is voodoo dolls or like just dolls being used uh, within the practice of voodoo is is more so or more often a, a really 
positive. I don't like using the terms positive and negative. I think it's too simple, but like it's, it's a much more generative practice. Voodoo practitioners do make dolls, but they use them for completely different purposes than revenge on someone. They're often used to help people with healing and as a way to communicate with deceased loved ones. Um, similarly, poppets and magical dolls are used in folk magic and contemporary witchcraft. So in a lot of like cross-culturally more like witchcraft type practices, use dolls as a way to like aid a person with magic. I actually have in my room um, from when we went to Salem at one of the witch shops, I bought a little, a little doll, little doll guy. And, um, I call him my Healy baby, um, because it's a a healing doll and it was, you know, imbued with, with magic to, uh, just be a healing presence. And I love him and he's very cute. (laughs) And whenever like, I feel sick, I like, like, whenever I feel sick, I'll just like lay him on my chest. (laughs) Just like my little, my little Healy baby. Um, so, so there's a lot of that, you know, using these magical dolls to cast spells for a very like variety of reasons. And yes, of course, sometimes this can be used negatively and has at times. And then that narrative has, of course, been used uh, it, to create scary stories. But I think, I think the, the doll, the voodoo doll, the poppet, the magical dolls are a really interesting example of an object that, you know, is maybe haunted, but like not in the spooky, scary way we think of it it's more it's imbued with these these magical energies that are protective and benevolent and this further connects to like conversations involving magic and objects like i think similar to these these dolls we can think about like how catholicism is rife with magical objects right I'm so glad we're here now yes <laughs> and <laughs> Which makes me, you know, anyone of the faith say magic is what's happening. You know, it's the mm-hmm. faith, it's the power of God, what have you. But there, there comes the, begs the question, and we're talking about cursed, haunted, possessed objects, things like the crucifix or like that we would hold or the rosary or a, a statue of Virgin Mary that's giving off miracles. Are those haunted objects? Are those, is it, because it's not witchcraft there's no magic happening that's not Mm -hmm. what's happening Mm -hmm. so but like if a statue of mary is is like a saint giving the miracle so the saint if it's a statue of virgin mary is a saint frequenting a spot so it's a haunted statue or is it a possessed statue because it would be you know the things like that yeah i i love that i'm gonna start using that that wording that like that saints are just haunting like everything (laughs) um this is haunted by saint francis of assisi (laughs) right (laughs) love it i love it you pray Um, the rosary to to invoke uh mary you know and so and you want mary to be close to you when holding a rosary which extends to reason that mary is connected to that rosary which i mean any anyone who anyone that claims that Catholics aren't regularly practicing magic is is in deep denial like that's <laughs> like that's all it is like it I We're mean real spooky yeah, yeah it's just 
um, a lot of a lot of magical ritual that you know, and it mirrors perfectly what what people um, that consider themselves to be like contemporary witches or just like in contemporary spiritual circles do. It's 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 spiritual ritual. It's also Catholicism is big on objects. Like there are oh, yeah. just a lot of objects in Catholicism. Yeah, lots of. Uh, like relics that's a whole nother layer of all this like is a relic i mean a relic is like an actual bone like a relic is like a a piece of someone and so i think it's really easy for us to like when it comes to the idea of a haunted object you know one of the first places you're gonna go is like an actual skeleton of a person right like like if you're gonna haunt anything, it's probably gonna be your own skeleton, you know. <laughs> like, you would think so, but is, think... are you even haunted at, at that point? Because yeah. you're already connected to your own body, so that's not exactly. haunted. So I'm just, I just haven't left yet, you know. Yeah, that's all it, that is. That's all that. <laughs> I'm just comfy here. I'm Listen, just like... I was here first. This is my, <laughs> these are my bones, you know. <laughs> the possession, you can't possess your. I mean, I guess you do. I do possess my bones, so. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think this is now we're kind of like moving into territory that I think is just particularly interesting. um, Because yeah, you know, we started framing this as haunted, possessed, cursed, all of these words do have a scary, like an underlying scary tone or negative tone, like something bad's going to happen to you. And that is how a lot of these stories are told, right? Uh, like, yeah, this fucking uh, wine cabinet and then, and then Post Malone gets robbed, you know, like, it's just like, it's like step one, encounter the object step two, something bad happens to you. Right. It's a very story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, That is the structure of these tales, but it really is like kind of oversimplifying these ideas for the, for the sake of like the, the fear value, right? Like the shock value, the fear, because really I think what we're talking about on a bigger, in a bigger sense, whenever we're talking about, haunted objects or possessed objects we're just talking about an object being alive or having power like that's what we're talking about we're saying an object has power to enact in this world and that you know could could be harmful and i also think it could not you know like i very well do think that if there is some kind of entity uh, that caused that weird discord music to come out of the music box, it might not have any harmful intentions, you know? Or like, it may have nothing but. You just don't know, <laughs> you know? But we we jump to the intentions are harmful. And so I think um, all of this connects to interesting conversations around the idea of object agency, which is just a philosophical concept that is really fun to argue about um (laughs) like archaeologists anthropologists philosophers art historians love to argue about this concept because it's interesting it essentially so the idea of object agency um gonna read verbatim here the merriam-webster dictionary defines agency as the capacity condition or state of acting or of exerting power, a person or thing through which power is exerted or an end is achieved. 
Some archaeologists agree that objects are imbued with agency or at least an ability to evoke some sort of change or response in individual humans or in an entire society by the very humans who create them. However, each scholar also possesses an individual interpretation of the meaning of agency and the true capacity of material objects to have personalities of their own. And so this is um, really just, yeah, this big, uh, you know, kind of high-minded discussion uh, about the extent to which an object has been given power by the person who created it and how that power enacts in a cultural sense, in a societal sense. And I think it's a particularly interesting thing to throw into the mix when we are talking about haunted objects, because a story of a haunted object is at its core a story of an object wielding power and it being mm-hmm. really fucking scary. <laughs> oh yeah. It's That's, uncanny, you know? Yeah. It's, this, yeah, this inanimate object holding something not quite inanimate, you know? that. Yeah. I'm going to read another little, little bit kind of word for word that I think goes a, a little deeper in, into this idea. Ian Hodder in The Social and Archaeological Theory and and Historical and Contemporary Perspective explains that humans are intentional in their creation of objects. Therefore, a person's creation of an object automatically imbues that object with a certain purpose that its creation aims to fulfill. People use the material objects they produce, whether intentionally or unintentionally, to manipulate their worlds. Literally speaking, humans construct objects from amulets to the walls around their cities to literally and purposely influence society. People intentionally give these objects an agenda and in turn imbue them with an agency of their own. And I feel like this perfectly connects to what we were talking about with haunted objects on eBay, right? Mm -hmm. That is, you know, the objects already created, but this is an example of someone in possession of an object now adding to that story giving the object new meaning and then reintroducing it into a social situation. Right. And like giving the object new agency. Which then you make it, you think about like objects that have been changed by its new story, right. Or this new story of haunting. And I think this is interesting. We're getting into film and movies and books, you know, that Mm -hmm. um, have shown like uh, uh, TV, just just your tube TV on a static that suddenly that object is now cursed based on our representations of like the movie yes. the ring or a poltergeist because we've seen we've seen it possessed in other times now that it's it's no longer simply a tv now it's some it can be a gateway or a you know a telephone to another side or like in the, in the movie christine haunted car stephen king story that is a you know red car Every time you see a car that looks like it, it's no longer just that car. It's now there's a there's a more meaning like, oh, it's the same fucking car from Christine. I wonder if that one's haunted. You know what I mean? Yes, um, totally, totally, 100%. And so there is this element of hum- humans being storytelling animals and then our stories giving, I think, objects new agencies and like new, you know, like creating through narrative, like a shift in what the object's origin original agency was like, for example, with the Dr. Seuss book, right? Um, when Dr. Seuss wrote that book, 
I don't think any of the agency uh, around the original one what had anything to do with a haunting or a horrific murder, right? Like it was Dr. Seuss uh, wrote a book on a practical level that children would read, you know, that was part of its, its uh, purpose in the world. And then given this new tale, it was quote unquote bloodstained and um, it given this new uh, paranormal agency based on the fact that it was present or thought to be present for something horrible, right? So there, there is this kind of through line of like objects being present for something really terrible and traumatic. And then all of a sudden they have this like evil power, you know, their power shifts to to be something insidious. Magical agency, I think, is just a really fun thing to sit with and consider whether it's using witchcraft to imbue a cute little doll with healing powers that I use every time I don't feel well, (laughs) or whether it's a priest performing a blessing over water, which is casting a spell, FYI, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, in order to make that water holy. You know, that water now has new agency. It literally, like, holy water has powers that regular water is not supposed to have, right? Right, exactly. So, yeah, I think with the conversation surrounding object agency and both magic and the paranormal, it's it's fascinating stuff. Fascinating. This is good stuff. That's what we're here for in the Happy Harvest Horror Show. We're gonna I think um I think too, just a quick shout out. Um, the Ouija board is a really great object to consider in relation to this concept. Like such a fabulous object. But (laughs) made to be haunted, right? So is it? I don't know. That's like that. There's no altered we didn't make a new story on it. That was it. We were sold. This is a haunted board. Yeah, we were. You know this what I mean? is a haunted board. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's actually one of one of my favorite episodes we did was the Ouija board episode. So y- y'all should check that one out if check you haven't listened out. to it yet. Because yeah, I think Ouija boards are just an absolutely fascinating object for so many reasons. L- lots of things to talk about, Brian. I know you've got some great movie connections, yeah, as you always do. I mentioned a few. I mean, we got, you know, you got the the, t- the tape, the video cassette in the ring, which is haunted. You yes. Know, that, I love that, that you brought that one up. God, I love the ring. So uh, good. Frequented the tape. This is, it's, a, it's always fun to talk about these objects and talk about, is it haunted, cursed, or possessed? You know, I think the ring, that's a haunted because the the um, Samara, right? That the, mm-hmm. She is down in a well. <laughs> but she is frequent her spirit is frequenting that's true tape, right that's true i was gonna like you're right i was gonna go cursed actually but you make a valid argument i think curse hmm, i'm trying to think about what would be cursed objects like maybe like if we look at hocus pocus right we got a we got a number we got like an old cabinet of objects here but we got like the the book which might be um i don't know maybe it's just a <laughs> The book and the black candle are the two things I'm thinking of, right? I think the black mm-hmm. candle might be cursed, right? That they're they're imbued with magic and to bring back the Sanderson sisters. But the Sanderson sisters aren't, for, I mean, like connected. Are they connected to a spell? I got lost. Hocus Pocus. <laughs> I got lost. Broke my brain. I'm like, <laughs> we'll have to sit down with that one and examine exactly. it a little closer. Exactly. <laughs> 
but I mean, there's a bunch of haunted books. You got the Necronomicon and Evil Dead. That's it. Is that a cursed book? I think that might be a cursed book because, but I don't know. Are all the Candyrian <laughs> demons coming out from the book? Are they haunting that book? Does the book possess? I don't know. That also, or are they just a gateway too? Yeah. So, so I think another thing, maybe uh, with possession, I feel like if an object is possessed by something, mm-hmm. then that energy demon spirit cannot exist anywhere else it exists in that only in that object it is it has fully possessed the object and that's where it is now like so that would make the ring tape that is haunting because tomorrow she can come and go whereas things like the movie the oculus the haunted mirror it's only maybe that's a possessed mirror then because it's only it's relegated just to that mirror right or would that be haunting (laughs) Or would that be a curse? I don't know. Like, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and then you got like the puzzle box in Hellraiser, right? Um, is that a curse thing? It's really just a telephone to the Cenobites. You know, you called and I came. But is it? Yeah, that's, not, more, of, that's more of like a portal then. Yeah. So it, it wouldn't be any of the three. That's just portals, your Portals telephone. is a whole new conversation. We can't introduce portals this late in the game. <laughs> It's true. So I think that takes out a few <laughs> different things. Then it takes that puzzle box, the, you know, Hellraiser. I don't know. So, I mean, we, we could have a whole episode on dolls. Like I mentioned earlier, we got mm-hmm. older guys, Annabelle, Chucky, we got, you know, Dolly Dearest. <laughs> we got yeah. So and also dolls have, yeah, they've just, um, they've just come to automatically just allude to something creepy. Like actually my roommate, uh, was telling me how before I moved in here, they just had like my room as like a little extra guest room. And just like aesthetically, he just wanted to like slowly fill that room with weird dolls. <laughs> and, and I told him, I was like, you can still do that. Like, <laughs> like I, that would be like just slowly fill my bedroom with a weird doll. But like, yeah, there's something, I think I might've told this story in the podcast before, but like one year I threw a Halloween party a few years back it was while I was in grad school yeah, yeah well I'm gonna tell it again it's a good one <laughs> um, <laughs> um and it was in grad school so it was like you know don't don't have a lot of money um and so we we just got like a lot of like dollar tree type uh, decorations and then went to like a goodwill and just to see what we could you know grab from there and there was just this just cheap weird little doll um like creepy doll and I was like yeah we definitely need this and and all I did was I just took the doll and I took a sharpie and I just blacked out her eyes and everyone at the party just was like what what did you do like you can't what? bring this in here this... <laughs> like what is yeah and it was just it was a hit like it was like the scariest thing at the party like dolls yeah dolls and the history of dolls being creepy yeah i think there's there's a lot there i think it's also connected to this Ooh, this is a a a different like a extended connection but i think the doll like the creepy doll thing it you know it's inherently linked to children right like dolls are linked to children and there is this idea of like children kind of being closer to the spirit world but it's also brought up in that folk horror documentary that we love so much Mm -hmm. um, when they're just like kind of listing off things that are folk horror in nature and there's one line where it was like the something like the the mist the mysterious side of children's play 
And I was like, yes, Oof, yeah. <laughs> right? that's good shit. And I like... write a novel. That's what it's going to be called. The mysterious <laughs> side of children's play. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, dolls. Yeah, definitely a topic all their own, but also a prime, prime example of, of the haunted object or the possessed object. It's also interesting you, t- you bring about dolls and connected to children's play and they're just inherently uncanny and scary. Even when they're presented in like, I don't know, happy ways. There's still something, I put this in there because it had me thinking doing the, the, the research, Toy Story, right? And uh, we're watching reanimated dolls fucking having fun <laughs> doing things but you just, just like take five seconds and go what's going on with these dolls you know we got are they possessed are they haunted i think they have to be possessed because woody does not exist outside the doll yeah woody is that doll yeah i think they'd have to be possessed i you bringing this up though i would fucking love to see a reimagining of toy story that's like a real world reimagining that like turns it into a horror movie like that would be so good that'd be so good there's there's like kind of connections to that right that you've got like things that are like they're more action you got small soldiers and things like mm-hmm. that but they don't go full or the uh what's the movie the indian in the cabinet you remember that movie in the cupboard yeah in the cupboard that's what it is yeah. are they cursed are they possessed <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> like we we gave you the definitions at the beginning and I'm still wrapping my head. So if you guys like, what's what's an easier, you know, definer that really separates? If we have to go through the, the, the hoops of terminology, what separates a curse to hunt or a possession? And I don't know. At the end, I'm sorry. After all the research, I'm still, I'm still <laughs> perplexed. I uh, would also love to hear everyone's spooky object stories please send them on love a spooky object love yeah Haunted. and encourage you to put them on ebay make some money <laughs> oh man <laughs> give me your money i'll give you a curse um <laughs> someone will buy it yeah for real for real join in on the fun there um yeah would love to hear any personal stories with haunted objects. I also, uh, you know, this topic is just super fun. If you're, if you're um, a little, you know, theory loving baby like me, where I just like to dive into like the big unanswerable questions. This one's a fun one. It's just about, you know, when you really get to the bottom of it, not only what is going on with a haunted object, but like, where does its power come from? And like, right. what does it mean to, for an object to have agency, I think? And what does it mean for an object to have spooky agency? <laughs> That's what like, we're most interested in here. You know, just like the scary, agency. scary agency that makes you feel terrified. <laughs> it's just, it's interesting when we get to talking specifically about objects and how this, this becomes so much more gray and interesting. And because you talk about haunted houses, it's easy. You frequent a house, it's haunted. Boom. You know, mm-hmm. like possessed houses. That's like a, that's a whole different thing that there's specific examples of it, but I don't know when you speak, when it's just one solitary object, like, cause it's easy to move yeah. an object around. It's so right. much more movable. And like how many cursed haunted possessed objects exist within just one haunted house, you know, like I mean, you run a mill spooky haunted house story, <laughs> the, the, the child's ball rolls down the hallway. Is that a haunted object or is that possessed by the, you know, I'm up all night. I'm like Charlie Day again. <laughs> I know. On the fucking board going like, what? 
I, that's what I was gonna say. I'm like, you need to get out like a big sheet of like draft paper and start like, connecting the get dots. Get the red ribbons and like red <laughs> string. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's not as confusing to anyone else but me. But I'm no. I think gonna I think sleep. it's I think it's a. Um, I don't think there's anyone out there who has this figured out except for our boy <laughs> Steve four twenty nine. He's got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Steve 429 knows what's up. So <laughs> ghosts don't exist. Thank you, Steve. Uh, oh, All right. you. <laughs> we did it. We figured it out. <laughs> this is a fun thing piece of the, the topic, though. So please, yeah, hit us up at happy harvest horror show at gmail.com if you've got spooky object stories or your own, you want to throw a, your own tune sense in, in in helping me figure out what <laughs> what's going on with these fucking spooky objects in a hurry because brian is gonna drive <laughs> himself insane <laughs> but yeah yeah this was a lot of fun this was a lot of fun happy harvest horror show gmail.com hit us up if you'd like to join our book club reading tide pool you can join at anchor.fm slash hhhs slash support or if you just want to support us at any level you can go to that website i'm just yeah, you don't even have to read the you book don't even, you don't have to you, you know? don't have to unless you want to thank you all for everyone that supported us already and continues to we very much appreciate you and anything else on spooky objects Corey? i mean i think i think we we gave them plenty to chew on for now but I, I doubt it will be the last time we talk about spooky well, objects. It hasn't been the first time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This is an ongoing investigation. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Until next time. Bye.